From the Metropolitan Campus of Fairleigh Dickinson University, this is WFDU-FM and HD1 Teaneck, the New York metro area's home of retro radio oldies and eclectic weekends, streaming worldwide at WFDU.FM.
cantándole al amor. Cantando, voy cantando, oye, cantando, 
amor, 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 Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to another edition of Que Viva La Musica here on WFDU 89.1 FM. My name is Jose Calderon, and together with Marisol Cerdeira, King Louis Vasquez, and yours truly, we are the team that continues the legacy of Vicky Sola here on WFDU 89.1 FM. And so, as I correct certain issues that are occurring here, I want to bid you all a great afternoon and mention a few of the events that are taking place as we speak. As you know, today is the last day of the music at La Marqueta. This is on 116th Street and Park Avenue, right under the L. That's the Metro North. The next stop on the Metro North is 125th Street. And today they feature Cita Rodriguez and her orchestra. Also, Los Hermanos de León with Rey Bayona and Pete Pagan on vocals with DJ Agujita, the sound man Victor, and the guest DJ Ruben, DJ Ruben. So I'm sure that everybody is going to go out and support this wonderful event and it's the last of the summer salsa Saturdays at La Marqueta. And also taking place coming up very, very soon, specifically on the 24th of October, is La Charanga Pacha at Taj. This is Latin Mondays at Taj. The doors open at 5 p.m. And they're back by... Uh, popular demand so each and every monday happy hour drinks and dinner specials this is live at taj restaurant and lounge also taking place today is the co-op city dance the return of the co-op city dance held by tito santos featuring orchestra broadway jimmy bosch and 
special special appearance by Rico Walker, former singer of Don Perignon y La Puerto Riqueña. And well, we're going to continue with the music and hoping it's to your liking and we have a guest appearance. I'm crossing my fingers that that takes place. Even though I announce it on social media, I never want to announce it until I am 100% sure. So let's continue with the music and greetings to everybody that's tuned on and welcome to those who are arriving. show you're listening to right now if you represent a specific event product or service that you'd like to let our listeners know about why not become an underwriter for this program or for entire blocks of programming for more information visit wfdu.fm and click on the money matters tab scroll down to the word underwriting and just fill out the form thank you and enjoy the rest of the show
As we come to the end of the first hour of Que Viva La Musica, I just want to once again greet all of you for being here and thank you uh, for spending your Saturday afternoon with myself and the crew, Marisol, King Louis. Special shout out and happy birthday to our sister in music, Evelyn De Toro. She is the beautiful wife of our King Louis Vasquez. She's celebrating her birthday today, so happy blessings to you not only today but always and there's a lot of people celebrating birthdays today like lucy alvarez kathy lorenzo and today was also the street naming ceremony for hiram maristani uh at 1 p.m and i haven't seen any pictures yet but i know for a fact that the family and many friends and admirers of his artistry and his work were there to support this wonderful, wonderful event. And so, please stay tuned with me and everyone that is here to support the legacy of Vicky Sola here on WFDU 89.1 FM with the family of Que Viva La Musica. From the Metropolitan Campus of Fairleigh Dickinson University, this is WFDU-FM and HD1 Teaneck, the New York metro area's home of retro radio oldies and eclectic weekends, streaming worldwide at WFDU.FM. And we're back. We're back in the second hour of Que Vela Musica here on 89.1 FM. And uh, let me continue with the birthdays. Uh, I mentioned Lucy, my comadre Maria Garcia, our dearest friend Dawn Jefferson is celebrating her birthday. My friend Jocelyn Osorio, uh, Walter Allers, El Cantante Roberto Lugo, it's his birthday. And greetings to the people that are tuned in like Roberto Ramos, who is in Arizona and who's celebrating his grandson's birthday. So happy birthday to him. And, well, we're going to continue with the music. Oh, Marisol Cerdeira, our dearest nena, is tuned in with uh, my brother, Willie Rodriguez, bass, son of the legendary Roberto Rodriguez. I just made a discovery the other day. Or better yet, it was in my subconscious, uh, and I re didn't realize. So a recording from 1972 that uh, your father, your father-in-law, Roberto Rodriguez participating in Latin Dimensions, one of the first recordings of Roberto Torres uh, upon leaving La Sonora Matancera, uh, recorded this with Mike Martinez for the Americana label uh, on that wonderful, iconic, rhythmic recording. Alfredo de la Fe is on it and Roberto Rodriguez is on it. Also, the father of one of our brothers, uh, Frank Rosa, his father's on it too so you know it's a great discovery i didn't bring it today unfortunately i had so much going on but the next time that i'm on the air i'm going to play some of that music and i'm sure that all of you will enjoy it i've played it before but it's been a long time well enough chit chat let's go back to the music mm -hmm. 
Love and guide me so 
Hey, ladies and gentlemen, it is 2.22 in the afternoon on this beautiful Saturday afternoon here on Que Viva La Musica 89.9 FM. For one, excuse me, this is what happens when you are on two radio stations. You get the dials incorrectly. Let me say it again, 89.1 FM. As you know, I'm also on uh, the Mambo Machine on WKCR 89.9 FM. And then hanging out with Nando Barici and WBAI, you get it all twisted. Anyway, let's go to what we have at hand. You've been hearing some music, ladies and gentlemen. Some beautiful, beautiful sounds. Sounds of yesterday that still plays today with such enthusiasm, such sentiment, such value, that there's no way to erase it from our minds and souls. I have that individual responsible for those tunes in the station with me. Uh, he's the crooner that makes you swoon for years and years. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Joe Batan. <laughs> Thanks for that introduction, you, man. Flattery that. will get you everywhere. Yeah, yeah, bye, yeah. <laughs> so you're invited over to the house for dinner. Bye, yeah. <laughs> and I will never say no to a dinner. You, that, that's my weakness. That's my weakness. Uh, hey, thank you for having me. No, 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 my brother. Thank mm. you for coming down. It's been years that you have been here in the station. In fact, you and your buddy over here who is going to introduce himself, say hello to everybody. Well, you're going to get closer to the mic, of course. Of course. I'm not used to this uh, That's show okay. business. Stuff. That's okay. Uh, my name is Manny Segarra, and I've known Batan for over 50, 60 years. And I'm, uh, it's a pleasure to be working with him and being in the studio that uh, is very relaxing here. We're going to have a nice show. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Manny. You know, uh, as we were saying before, it's been so many years that you haven't been here. It's been a good almost 10 years. Yeah, yeah. You know, the last time I think it was when uh, the Sansa Warriors. So that's also it's been like uh, seven, eight years. Right. 2014. Joe, how are you, first of all? First of all, I woke up this morning. You did, too. And I'm blessed. Absolutely. You know, so there's no more I can say behind that. Doesn't matter how I feel inside is what I project outside. Well, true, true. You look <laughs> you look like a million dollars. Thank you. I just want to make sure that the insides are in accordance to the outside. Well, you know, you never know. You know, they say that it's called redemptive suffering. So that the suffering, you pray and you hope that you get healed and you people pray for the wrong thing. So it's that suffering that you give it up and he gets you through it. Absolutely. Sometimes he don't answer your prayers, you know. So I got my, my, my share of injuries and ailments and stuff like that. But I keep moving on. God is good. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Joe, I still consider you, and you know I've known you for many, many years, uh, to be one of the hardest working gentlemen. And you tell me that each and every time we see each other, algo. we're always doing something, and we're always involved in events, and that's how we come across each other. But you are still so active, so entertaining, so vivid, and that each time I see your, your semblance, on the internet, you are doing something somewhere. <laughs> well, it's not me. It's uh, no. the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that well, yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Taking possession of your body and your soul, and so much faith that you put into it, but you are always involved, and you are blessed. Yes. Oh, thank you. Well, you know what it is. It comes from the upbringing. Like I grew up in a barrio, and like I try to explain to people overseas when they ask me the stories about how was it when you grew up. 
we were very aggressive. We had to make do with what we had. Well, we were not a wealthy neighborhood, so we played baseball with cans, right? We played John and the Pony. We did all our games in the street. So, as a matter of fact, that's the title of my memoirs, Streetology. So, oh, yeah. taken from that, it's something that you don't learn in Oxford, Cambridge, or Columbia. It's called Mother With. So, mom's taught me all those things. She taught me how to survive, you know? She taught me discernment, right? And all those things came to fruit at my twilight. You know, I had to wait till I found myself, uh, to my trials and tribulations, and then at the end, the secret started to be revealed to me. And then I was starting to get at peace and I was able to do more things. I've been blessed so much in my lifetime that it's time for me to give back. You've always been giving. You are a very <laughs> generous soul. You've given the community so much of yourself and you've given people hope because you are an example of resilience. You've come across a life of difficulty and you flourished. You've brought it to yourself in a positive way and you've shown others how to continue so i commend well, you, you know, for that you know tito rama said it from the tnt he says joe you know they're always depicting latinos and blacks with, with a tragedy he said let's make sure that you're not a tragedy so at the end of my life i want it to be known that i found the right road and it didn't end in a tragedy so i don't want it to be depicted like that and it's not fair to the many talented artists that have come before me, you know, how we uh, represent them. Absolutely, absolutely. You've had many, many uh, successful moments throughout your career, uh, recording, performing. When is a moment that you can say was an epitome of your success? Well, I guess it was an invitation. I got a call from the Smithsonian, and it was uh, uh, the president of the Smithsonian with Eduardo Diaz. He said, Joe, we'd like to honor you. I said, who, me? The guy from a body in the hunters? He said, yeah, the said. He said, yeah. He said, we'd like to do something. I said, well, great. You, you sure you got the right guy? He said, yeah. <laughs> so when he got to put it together, he got a call from the African-American uh, part of the Smithsonian. They said, wait a minute. This guy's part black. He's part of us, too. That's we right. We want to be supportive but also so we want to join the team so edward said okay great so now i had the latino organization i had the black all of a sudden he gets another call and it's from the asian american and they said wait a minute this guy's part filipino we want a piece of it too so that was the highlight of my life to be represented with all those different cultures and eduardo said you know joe you're a bridge that has connected with music and uh, we want to portray that and tell your story. So my picture is in the National Portrait Museum, along with Maya Angelou, Maya. Dizzy Gillespie, and Michael Jackson. So when you go up there and you see these guys from El Barrio sitting there in a picture with me at White Park, that's us. Maya, <laughs> Maya. Let me, let me go to Manny for a second. Manny, you've known Joe for so much of his life and your life as well. To see all these accomplishments, what comes to mind? What do you think of? Uh, I was I wasn't surprised as much as uh, a lot of people would think because uh, I knew him uh, as, a, as when we were kids that he was always aggressive. So whatever he wanted to do, uh, he more or less 
forced himself on people to to recognize that he's a force to be dealt with mm -hmm. but uh, i remember when we were in grade school that there was this one girl that he didn't want anybody near oh. and he let it known that leave her alone so i said to him i said told everybody hey listen to this guy because <laughs> <laughs> he's an aggressive dude leave wow him wow I, I, we won't reveal her name or maybe we'll no. know in, in in your streetology maybe we'll find out who this girl is and you know if she's still around with us still maybe she could tell us how it was <laughs> well if you if you if you can get to florida she'll probably hear it and if you oh. say her name She'll call. Baya, baya, baya. But we don't want to open up that can of no, worms. That's we're, not... we're all friends. Oh, baya, baya. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Joe, you have, as you stated multiple times, grown up in El Barrio, and now you are getting ready to give back to El Barrio. You're getting ready to do an event. It's within less than 24 hours because it's now, what, 3.30? 331, mm -hmm. 231, excuse me. And in a few hours, you're going to get ready to do something that's going to rock El Barrio. Tell us, <laughs> tell the audience what is going on. The story started maybe 50 years ago. And, of course, at that time, I was the no teacher in the neighborhood. You know, I couldn't get nobody to play with me. I didn't know anything about music. I'm a self-taught musician. So I made a key. But that key belonged to the rectory in the church. Right? So I used to sneak <laughs> in there at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I would bang this piano until I found out, you know, a triad, and then I started to write songs. But one day I was in there, and all the guys, we were just jamming. The father came down, and we got scared. He said, we ran. I said, Father, we didn't take anything. We were just playing. But, you know, we were a bunch of crazy kids, and I ran out of there. So when I look at that, and I've been going to St. Josita's Church, not most of my life, but returning, I saw the, the arcade up there, and it was a picture of St. Cecilia's. So when I looked that up, he said she was the patron saint of music. Hmm. And then I started to put it together. So no coincidence. No coincidence whatsoever. You know, and how she died. You know, her, her, she was beheaded because she refused. She went singing to her death. All right. And she refused uh, to get married, but she was forced to get married. And besides that, the story goes on. You can look it up. But I felt that's a wow. Can you imagine that? All those years, the hand probably was on top of me guiding me waiting for me to straighten out look I, I i i went to prison i came back home i worked at spotford with troubled kids uh after that i got into little politics i mean i did everything that you could think of and then to come back home to saint cecilia's was something that is, is just almost like a cinderella you know because why am i coming back there it was planned this is spiritual you know, and then when I thought about it, I said, you know what? The father asked me, but Dan, what can you bring to the church on a celebration? I said, what can I bring? I could bring the band. I said, what kind of music you want? He said, play what you want to play. You know, so I said, okay. So I got the band and then the big headache started. I didn't have a stage. We don't have electricity. We didn't have anything. We started <laughs> calling out to people in the neighborhood and everybody started coming. Diana, Diana Ayala helped out with the stage. Uh, Ray Aponte helped out with with his calls. Uh, even Ani Sagara got involved. I mean, we had so many people, Michelle Wong and Melee and Ani and Manny Sagara. So we got a whole team. And then on the church, on the, on the pulpit, where they called me to speak, I called ourselves the spiritual gang of St. Cecilia's. 
and everybody broke out, you know. But what it did was it got everybody interested, and I said, you know, you come to church, you got the Dominicans over here, Puerto Ricans over here, and Filipinos over here. That's not the way to express love. We got to change seats. Absolutely. I said, not only that, St. Cecilia has to be a leader in the community. It's time to bring everybody together. And when I got that idea, I said, wow, can you imagine the smiles on people's faces when they come back to a barrio that they haven't seen in 30, 40 years, and then to hear music of their, their childhood, and then the idea flourish. Absolutely. Uh, Ken called you and you said, I could come here, and I, poof. I, I'm, I'm amazed. <laughs> you don't have to call anything. You, this is your home. You've always known that, and we just have to remind you and reiterate <laughs> it because, you know, sometimes we forget about those extended cousins that we have. It's too I many. It's too you. many, you know? But you know this is your home. You know that. You know that. So this is the celebration of St. Cecilia's 150th anniversary. Am I right. correct? Right. It's, uh, it's tomorrow, Sunday, it, the Mass, which is the most important element of this thing, bringing people together, is at 11 o'clock. Okay. The mass will be followed by music, which will be the mariachis, mm. you know, of course, myself, yours, too. You want to interject something, Manny? No, stop banging on the table. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the pot calling the kettle black. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. But we want to welcome everybody. They're coming as far as Florida. Uh, I talked to Willie Ramos. He's going to be the MC. Uh, people are coming from Philadelphia. Ray Colazzo's bringing a crew. There's no telling who else might be coming. Absolutely. Right? I, mean, I know Jimmy Delgado said he's going to be there. Jose and, and Luis Manguel, Johnny Colon's coming. Maya. You know, I mean, Ken Curtis. I mean, you name it. I could go on with the names. You know, Royal Flores. Everybody's coming down because everybody wants to see if this could work. We invaded the mayor. And I was told, oh, you know, he has a busy schedule. I said, let me tell you something. This is an event that he should be at. Mm -hmm. so that he could see the energy from El Barrio and what it was really about. Exactly. A lot of people think they know their Barrio, but they haven't lived it. You True. know, so they don't really know. They only know what the fruits have given us today, but they don't know the struggles that people had at the very beginning. Absolutely, absolutely. You coming into El Barrio in recent years and you've seen so much change. Tell us what you've seen, what you noticed that has changed within the community, within the mm -hmm. visuals uh, of... of you know, of in comparison to what you saw growing up. Well, there's a lot of new buildings there, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Buildings that probably a lot of us couldn't get in. Now, you know, the rents are probably sky high, uh, the control. It's like Puerto Rico. Who's buying up Puerto Rico? Not Puerto Ricans. That's correct. So the same thing happening in real estate in the barrio. Who's buying up El barrio? Everybody except... We need to take a hold of our land. You see, it goes down from biblical times. Land was the most important thing to, to the family, real estate, you know. So if you come back, you get your niche in the neighborhood, and uh, you help it prosper. You Absolutely. know, of course, now it, it started out with Germans, Irish, uh, Italians, you know, and then it went to Puerto Ricans, and then, of course, uh, the African-American uh, culture has been through there. A lot of different nationalities have been through there, but everybody's welcome. The barrio was always like that. You know, and it's no different now. Uh, what I see is that a lot of young kids in there might not have direction because what we fail to do is remind our offspring of the history. Mm -hmm. They only know the present. But you see, you cannot expand or grow unless you know the history. You got to just like music. How are you going to start at the top? 
you know, and not know what the Montura and where it came from or where Clave came from so that you could really understand it and then you immerse yourself in a passion about something that you love and that goes for land, music, and love. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're going to play some music and we're going to play some new music, but it's we're going to talk about it in the next segment because it's new, it's new music to the world and to the audience and to the radio waves, but it's not new music at all. It's something brought out of archives found after what almost 50 years right yeah mm -hmm. so let's listen to this and we'll be right back ladies and gentlemen if you're just tuning in you're listening to que viva la musica the show originated by vicky sola 41 years ago continued by marisol cerdeira <laughs> king louis vasquez who actually surprised me being here in the studio when i look up and i see this ball head i thought it was something shining off of the window and yours truly jose calderon we're going to listen to some music that has not been played has just been recently found and if i get my hand on this here we go here we go let's go with this
Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Quevela Musica, and we'll be right back. Did you know that 95% of first-year students at Fairleigh Dickinson University say FDU was the right choice? Fairleigh Dickinson University is proud to be known as a welcoming community, as well as a U.S. News and World Report Best Regional and Best Value University. Learn more and apply today at fdu.edu slash apply. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're just tuning in, it's 2.48 p.m. And here in the studio, we have the incomparable Mr. Joe Batan. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and, and before we continue, let me, let me greet my colleague who's here. Take that mic yeah. right there next to you. Right there. Right there, my colleague. Hello. King Louis Vasquez is in the studio. Hey. Yes, indeed. I, I had to come. Me fugue, me fugue. No diga eso, porque te, como te dijo Manny, te, te, te cogieron y cambiaron las lacas, pues, compraron un perro, un pit, dos people. I'm telling you, man. No, I had to come to see El Maestro, man. I mean, Joe, he's one of my idols since I was a kid, man. Gypsy Thank woman, you. my God. Mira, mira, mira. Se me los Pero no de la cabeza. Anyway. No, no, no. <laughs> What we've listened to is something that has never been played before on the airwaves. In fact, it's not even released on vinyl, at least not these last years until now, which is soon to come out. It's called Drug Story. It's an album depicting a time in history that people seem to have wanted to erase or never to admit to. And you have been able to... Record it. Yeah. Tell right. us a little bit. Tell, tell us, tell all of us, because we were talking okay. off the air, and in order to disseminate all that information, it's too much. To, it's too much. To, we have to break it up in, in pieces. Well, it, it was back in 1970, you know, at Fania, and I recorded the tune, and when they heard the tune, they said, Joe, what are you doing? I said, I recorded a song, because it was my idea. Uh, when I wrote songs, I wanted to write about real things. I was known as a street singer, so I wanted to talk about the streets. And they said, but that's a drug story. How can you do that? I said, well, it's, it's true. I didn't say anything bad. I said, what can happen to you if you use drugs? And this is what happened. It was a tragedy. They said, I don't think you want to be known by that. And I said, okay, forget it. I got plenty of other songs. But, but how can they have not said yes to this when you released the St. Latin Days Massacre? <laughs> yeah. Hello? I mean, wasn't that something well, that was controversial in essence? You got to understand, and you, you, you spin records. Yes. That... The record companies are the last to know the pulse of the music. True. Right? When I brought the first rap song, mm -hmm. people don't know this, they Which threw I'm me out of the office. The rap They said, what I, the heck I is that? that? You know? <laughs> Until a guy named Larry Levant played it and they mm -hmm. went crazy. Then they then they believed that it could be something. But at that time, nobody uh, sanctioned rap music. And I'm talking about 78. Mm -hmm. You know? So when I did the drug story, uh, James Brown had did King Heroin. Correct. And of course, later on, when I got the idea of bringing it back, is Amy Winehouse mm -hmm. rehab. Yes. I said, so why not now? You know. So somebody found the record, and and unfortunately, the guy probably sold it to somebody in in Spain. He never gave it to me, mm -hmm. and uh, it was lost. Right. I had a cassette, but not enough to really uh, produce. Mm -hmm. And they finally made a deal with the guy to bring it back because they knew that I had the rights and I owned the song. 
and we made a deal with Vinyl Me Please. And they said, look, we're not going to stop there. We're going to take the whole catalog. So the whole record company that I started many years ago. That's another conversation. Ghetto Records. You see? It, it started. Well, you know, I started South Soul Records also. Yeah. Yes. And uh, so now I'm so excited because all of these things are happening in my twilight. You know what I mean? I, I worked so hard for many years and I couldn't even get a, 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 a new bike. <laughs> so now things are coming in. Well, now you could get a powered one, <laughs> and you might be—it it might be one that is an adjustable seat. <laughs> if I may, the gentleman who found that record, where did he find it? I mean, you were mentioning—he found it on Broadway in a garbage can, oh, uh, where Broadway Sound. If people remember the old Broadway Sound, finally used to record there. Wow. Downstairs, when they lost their business and they couldn't pay their bills, they took all their tapes and threw it in the oh, garbage. Amazing. I'm hoping that somebody actually found this garbage full of these treasures that people are still searching for to this day. Well, from my understanding, Eddie Palmieri's tape was in there and the TNT. I don't know where they are. Oh, Lord. You know, maybe somebody brought it up. Maybe it'll come back out now. Mm -hmm. Well, this album, Drug Story, is out digitally right now. So you Mm -hmm. were able to purchase it. And I, I know there's a tomb by Eddie Lebron. Right. There's a few, who else? There's a few other people. Uh, on Ray the Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Uh, Candido. Yes. That played with uh, Ricardo Ray. Uh, who else we got in there? Joe well, Costa. That's, and you're speaking about the Vinyl Me Please Ghetto Records uh, summary, which is uh, a lot of, I think, 11 or 12 albums. Right. Including the never-released drug story. Right, exactly. And Incredible. It's, mm-hmm. it, I, I'll be very honest, because we were talking about that off the air. It, it's a little costly, but I think it's worth it, because it, mm-hmm. it, it comprises everything, your ideas on recording. Everything. And everybody that you believed in at the time. Well, the history alone is important. You know, if you really want to know what transpired in those days, the struggles and everything. So the stories in there, written by Pablo Iglesias, my friend, wrote a great, great, great story. He, he got it accurately. Everything that happened, uh, the trials, the tribulations, the ups and downs, how that whole thing came about. You know, the gangsters that were involved. I mean, the drugs that were involved. Everything that shows you the story and how it was to survive back in the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, tell us how you started Ghetto Records, because <laughs> I think this is between the period of after, of course, leaving Fania, uh, between South Soul and then. Okay, well, I give you the accurate story. Okay, what it was happening? I was having a fallout with Fania Records. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was appalled that uh, I wasn't getting paid properly the way I thought I should have, and of course, I was the first artist to leave, right? Which was unheard of at that time. And I had to survive. I was blackballed. They took all Joe Batan's records off the radio. Uh, even people that I knew for years didn't play Joe Batan. I guess they were there under the threat of finding, you know, don't play this guy, man. We're going to teach him a lesson, you know. How dare him try to organize or whatever else I was doing back at that time. And, uh, of course, the old adage of all the record companies was, you didn't make any money. You make your money playing, which is baloney. And, and I, I, I got a window of that very early in my career. And I said, that's baloney. I said, I, I see everybody with my records in the street. What do you tell me? That's all I made? No way. You know, I said, oh, well, that's it. So I boycotted. I learned from, um, you're too young to know, Colfax and Drysdale, two baseball pitchers for the Brooklyn Dodgers. 
refused to pitch unless their contracts were renewed. I did the same thing. Of course, they came back and they renewed it and I did another album, but after that, I left anyway. Uh, so I had to survive and I could do I said, you know, I could do exactly what they're doing. I said, I just don't have the capital. So as quiet as it's kept, before Yankee Stadium, I did Shea Stadium. Wow. People don't know that. I brought uh, La Lupe, Eddie Palmieri. I brought uh, Malo. I saw that fly, that poster. Mm -hmm. But I, is that concert anywhere to be found? Uh, somebody has footage of it, Paramount Pictures. We're trying to find it. And what happened was I busted my tail promoting that concert. It was going to be the big. It was my idea to make enough capital to start my own record company as a Latin Motown. That was my dream. Of course, I did it with South Soul, but mm -hmm. at that time, I didn't have the money. So I said, this concert would put me over the, over the top. And uh, would you know, that day they went to the moon, and it rained like cats and dogs. All over New York and in Shea Stadium, but every place else was dry. <laughs> and all wow. we got was 15,000 people. So they broke even. Of course, after that, I just took off and went to Russia, you know, with Angela Davis, and I was responded about what had happened you know it didn't get it then the next thing i hear finally i had a concert at Shea, uh, yankee stadium they okay. had no idea of thinking about to do a concert until i did that of course you know and I'm, course. I'm not taking anything from them but that's the way the truth is when the story gets out there um and um back to your question i, I started ghetto records because i had to survive i said well what can i do so i, I thought about recording and i couldn't record so I said, well, maybe if I change my name, you know, like Prince, you know, change my name or, or like Stevie Wonder, he spelled his name backwards. So I did a song called Mr. Love and Company, you know, called If I Were King. Of course, that didn't work out. And uh, I think I did that with Bobby Marin. He got scared and he folded. <laughs> <laughs> and the story goes, and he gave up the tapes. But uh, I kept going on and I survived out of that. And I like to think that I was blessed because... All the things that happened to me during that time, it probably was a lesson, you know? Absolutely. And, and I felt, I said, well, gee, did Fania make me or did I have anything to do with it? And then I said, you know what? I got to prove that it wasn't just somebody pushing Joe Batan, that I have the knack to do this. And of course, history will show you. I started Ghetto Records. I started South Soul Records. I started one of the premier dance labels in the, in the world. Uh, and... I'm still going. So somebody interviewed me recently and they said, what is it that people don't know about Joe Batan? And I, all I could think of was, they underestimate me. I'm 80 years old, but like Khalif said in the Bible, I feel as strong today as I was when I was 40. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, a piece of important history uh, discussed here on Querida Musica. We are so extremely blessed not only to be alive, but to be together and to listen to the story of one of our most important icons in music, Mr. Joe Batan. We're going to come to the end of the second hour of Guerrera Musica, the show originated by our dearest Vicky Sola, continued by Marisol Cerdeira, King Louis Vasquez, and yours truly, Jose Calderon. We are going to be right back after this message.
From the Metropolitan Campus of Fairleigh Dickinson University, this is WFDU-FM and HD1 Teaneck, the New York metro area's home of retro radio oldies and eclectic weekends, streaming worldwide at WFDU.FM. I wanted to start off this third hour with music of Joe Batan that we barely play here because, you know, we're salsa, exclusively salsa and Latin jazz. But Mr. Joe Batan is responsible for early rap. Habla y ponte lo oído y háblate ahí un poquito. Manny, do you know that your, your, your buddy here era rapero? Ha sido rapero? So you can, you, you, can, you can say that it started in the Philippines? I don't know. <laughs> it, could, it could be true. I thought it started in the Bronx. Mira, espérate. De, pera, tú fuiste ganguero. That's right. Por un tiempo salsero y, y aquí rapero. <laughs> what, what, what happened, I used to work in a center in 110th Street. Mm-hmm. And I walked in there one day, and these thousands of kids in there for one dollar, and they were clapping their hands and stomping their feet. And then there were three guys up there with a turntable, and I said, what the heck is that? <laughs> they had no name for it. They didn't know what it was. And I'm saying, and then I, the brainstorm hit me, holy cow, wait till they put this on records. So I ran up to the guys, I said, hey, look, did you put this on records? So they thought I was crazy, you know I said? I'm Joe Batan, and I could do it. They didn't know who the heck I was. Of course, of course. And uh, I said, look, if you want to do it, I'll get the money, and I'll go to the studio, and we'll do this. So they all agreed and said they're going to do it. I went, borrowed money, called RCA Records. They said, yeah, Joe, you got credit with us. Went up there and waited, and I had a bunch of young kids to dance to see if it was the right beat. And we waited there, and nobody showed up. I said, me tiraron bomba. <laughs> you know, I said, oh, man. How could they do this? I spent all this money. I'm in trouble. And then I said, I could do this. You know, I said, whoa. And then I said, it's a new thing. I'm going to make you shout. God. And the kids started dancing. I said, holy cow. If you Jocko was... could do this and Frankie Crocker, I could do this. It's a new thing. I'm going to make you shout. Got rhythm, got beat. Don't move your feet. Clap your hands, everybody. And then boom, it went to the music. And the next thing, three million records. And I was off to the world, man. Rap I was the first crapo. one responsible for bringing rap music to Europe. Vaya. Yeah. Wow. Matter of fact, they call me, I don't know what the Spanish word is, they call me the parakeet in South America. Right? The parakeet? <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. I went God. to Venezuela, because they, they, nobody ever heard rap music in South right. America. At that Dirty time, Yankee, yeah. none of those guys were around nope. back then, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was, a, it was a novelty. And Absolutely. then I had to brainstorm to put an O in back of the words instead of saying rap clap right. i said rapo clapo nice. so that became a novelty then <laughs> the whole thing is that when i went to europe i left my shoes at the hotel <laughs> and all i had was these yellow track shoes right and then i didn't have any money to buy anything to wear so i bought 50 cent pair of suspenders i put a disco shirt with a roller skate and i had these pants that i had for years and i went on tv That was a sensation wow, that was of, a, of that year. Wasn't that the album cover? Too? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody started dressing like that. <laughs> 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 
and Rappo Clapper was born, man. Wow, wow. We have a lot of people that have reached out to me, to my phone, to my uh, to my messengers. Uh, a friend of a dear friend of ours, Angelo Rio states. Joe Batan is a national treasure. Brings back memories of listening to Gypsy Woman, Subway Joe, as a teenager in the late 60s. The Soundview Little Rascals played his records at every house party <laughs> that they attended. They also saw him play at the Hunts Point Palace back in the day. And if I could open this up, he, you are a Latin music icon. Uh-huh. Thank you, Angelo. Uh, <laughs> Ruben and Nancy from Queens says, Joe Batan never gets old. <laughs> eh, 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 are they right? Are they right? <laughs> maybe. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> our, dearest, our dearest friend, Roberto Ramos, out from California, who is now in Arizona, is tuned in. He says, yay, saludos, Joe Batan. I could relate to everything you've talked to. Love you, Joe, and love you, brother Jose, and of course, love you, Louis, now, now that he knows that he's here and he's praying for you because you might not be able to get back at, at home. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph and Camille from Puerto Rico State, it's good uh, to hear you on the show. My wife and Camille send our love and y- apparently you gave them tickets to that show that they went to Washington, D.C. Wow, they were there. They were yeah, there. Yeah. They were there. Yes. It's Smithsonian. Okay. Yes, yes. So, you know, uh, our dear friends Angie and Julio from Perf Amboy, they're tuned in. Uh, Floyd Cuevas, great interview with the legendary Joe Botan. I grew up listening to the King of Latin Soul. Also, the pleasure of having met him at House of Worship in Crossroad at Castle Hill. Wow. So, Matter of fact, I'm going to be there the 22nd. Bye. Wait, I guess every church in the country is starting to call me. <laughs> hey, hey, that's a good thing. I remember when they used to shun you away, so that's a good thing, you know? <laughs> But yeah. the time's on his way. Close the doors. <laughs> and hide the pianos. And hide the pianos. <laughs> so you listen to this. You, you're, you're coming back to El Barrio. You're playing at this wonderful anniversary. You're re-releasing an old album that was never released almost, what, 40, 45 right. uh, years. What else is in store for Joe Batan? Well, as I said... I finished writing my memoirs. You you talked about it lightly. Yeah, lightly. And and the thing is, it's been sitting there because I was looking for a publisher. But then when I thought about it, who am I kidding? I don't have to wait for a publisher. I do everything like I've always done. Aggressively, I'm going to find a printer. I'm talking to somebody in Hong Kong. Where I can send the script over there, we're gonna print it. I'm gonna shoot it now. Uh, a cover. Manny, I love how he still utilizes aggressively. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You I, know, it, it, it never leaves him to, <laughs> to have that approach. Okay. No, so. I got a, a young lady that's a DJ, Gia. Joey, you know Gia? She was here. She oh, was here a few God. weeks ago. Uh, you know, okay. I, I got to meet her. So then. she's she's gonna take the book. Bye. Yeah. Right. She doesn't know it, but she's gonna take the book to Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> and she's gonna get me a printer over there where I can beat the cost Buy and it. bring that back here. You know, streetology is a story that needs to be told, not because I wrote it, but because every child or every kid that has ambitions and aspirations to do something in their life and think that they got the short end of the stick, this will show them that they're wrong. If they have the passion to do something like the love, like you know, you have your passion to do, you're a man of many of many trades, so is Louis. You know, so you know the struggles that's involved when you want to do what you want to do. Absolutely. And, and in the strength, uh, 
I get my strength from the big boss. I'm sure you do too. Absolutely. And uh, once you have that spirit, health, and knowledge, there's nothing that can stop you. But you get the spirit for something that you believe in, knowledge, that you don't let a day go by without learning something new and help you take care of your body so you can do all the others. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> what do you think about what's going on in current day with the youth and the way everything is going on? Give us your perspective because you know what? Okay. There's so many of us as years go by and you know, we're all of a certain age. We're <laughs> all over 40. Can we say? Can we? Can we all agree on that? I just, think so. Just over. We're, in fact, we're all over fifty in this room. There is no one here that is over that is younger than fifty. So, of course, we look at things a little differently, less aggressively, uh, in terms of how the way you your perspective was at that time. But what do you think? Tell us your perspective. Well, the truth of it, I had to really analyze it, and there's a lot of people that might disagree with me, but it's only my opinion. It's not an opinion that I'm making for anybody else. You see, somewhere it said, don't love the world and don't love what's in it. Live by the Spirit and you live forever. Now, the secret has there for anybody that wants it, but it's not revealed to everybody. You see, we want too many things that we don't make use of that we have. We always want more. We want that new car. We want that garage. And he says... You put all this stuff in your barn, you fool. Mm. I'll take it away tomorrow and you're gone. You see, you can't get a U-Haul and put everything that you earn and take it with you. When you die, you're gone. Right? So all you could do is prepare. Now, it also says that brother is going to be against brother. Daughter is going to be against mother. And I never understood that. But it's true. If you really look at things and what's going on, and a lot of it stems from our upbringing, right? We are at fault with our youth because we don't eat at the table with them like we should. We don't share stories. I am we shaking should, my head in we, so we, much, so much belief yeah, in what you're in your words right we now. We train them uh, to go out and watch TV, do video games when they can make them sit down and listen to what you have to say each and every day. After a while, they get used to it. And then it becomes, and they'll pass it on. But if, if the story goes, when I was in the third grade, or the kindergarten, I was crying. And a teacher named Ms. Brown came over to me and said, but Tan, what's wrong? I said, hey, I've never been away from home. I'm in the kid. I don't know nobody here. She said, don't worry. He said, I'm here. I'll take care of you. So it was that kindness that was shown to me that was embedded in me. I took that with me later on in life. But can you imagine that child that grows up and he never hears nothing about love? Mm. All he hears is cursing, violence, get the heck out of here, do this, blah, blah, blah. So he grows up that way. Nothing was instilled in him. So he never had a chance. So a lot of that stuff that's going on, it's not the individual's fault. It comes from the upbringing and how we, we're trained, right? So a lot of people don't have to fear God no more. You know, there's no respect, you know, but once that is instilled, then you know that you don't own anything. Everything belongs to the big boss. That's right. That's right. You were going to say something, Manny. Uh, I, I'd just like to interject something that's been happening in for the last uh, decade or so. It's the, the thing about uh, both parents working. When both parents work, there's nobody to supervise the kids. 
the kids will go out and meet strangers and pick up stuff from outside and then bring it back to the house that the parents don't understand. And I, you can't blame the kids for going out there and looking for something to do. But there's no, no, no programs, there's nothing out there for them. So what do they do? They make up their own programs, they make up their own their own uh, lives they look for the their street. own support group mm -hmm. and Absolutely. that's how that's that's why so many gangs have Absolutely. come have flourished because they're looking for that acceptance that support that love and sometimes when they don't understand the error of their ways they only know what is supporting them gang love Correct. did you know that i worked at spotford you you had mentioned it but <laughs> but i but it's perfect that you interject that now for 25 years and I've seen all troubled kids. It's a place where I was as a kid. So I, in my relationship to other kids, I was a natural when I explained my story to them and how I got out of harm's way. So a lot of those kids that came up to me, I was amazed at what they would say to you, like their heroes were gold chains. Mm -hmm. Actually, God said, what do you mean? He said, oh, the more gold I wear, the more I'm worth. And these were the kind of things that, that mm -hmm. were said. So. The heroes, which Hollywood did, put all of these uh, films on the screen depicting this kind of violence, and it made it easy to copy. Absolutely. And that started off a trend, and that's what we're still living through today. Have you, or to your knowledge, inspired anyone that you come across, whether it be at Spafford or in your walks of life, to continue your, your path? I don't know. I would hope so. I mean, every once in a while, a grown man would come up to me on stage and he'll say, because I was always known as Joe, never Batan. I never used my name. A lot of those kids probably didn't even know who I was. Uh, they say, hey, Joe, you remember me? They say, no, who are you? He says, I'm Johnny, that 15-year-old kid that used to give you a hard time as Parfait. And he says, I'm out and I'm clean. So I'm ready. What you said you're gonna do? You're gonna get me a job, right? <laughs> oh, talk about. He says I'm gonna go to talk school. Talk about keeping your promises, huh? <laughs> yeah, but it's true. <laughs> you're held accountable yeah. all the way through. You're held. No, no. So it's true. So we do have people out there uh, that write me, and I'm sure that if they knew where I was, they would get in touch because uh, I mentored a lot of kids. I've got kids come to me that are grown men. You know, and it brings a tear to my eye because you can see what you did. You know, those 25 years that I spent with Spofford changed my life. You know, it showed me that I could do the same thing I did with kids that I did with music. And my thing was, when, when well, sorry, I got to say, when I was in the formatory, um, I said I'm going to give 150% when I get it. Not 100, because people were going to hold it against me that I was locked up. Mm -hmm. So I made myself work harder in everything that I did. And so I worked with kids. I wanted to do 150%. I never had to raise my hand at any kid, uh, knock on wood, to this day. Good. I used the lavia. <laughs> <laughs> and you still do. That's why the music is still conquering our hearts and souls. Let's go to a little music, and we'll be right back continuing this conversation. Very interesting, by the way, with Joe Batan.
show you're listening to right now if you represent a specific event product or service that you'd like to let our listeners know about why not become an underwriter for this program or for entire blocks of programming for more information visit wfdu.fm and click on the money matters tab scroll down to the word underwriting and just fill out the form thank you and enjoy the rest of the show Latina Tahiro 
Latino, Taíno, Chicano, Cubano. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are tuned in or tuning in, it is 3:27. We're here on Quebec La Musica 89.1 FM. I have to make sure I say it correctly this time <laughs> around. This is DJ Jose Calderon and also my brother King Louis Vasquez yeah. is here in the studio. Yes, We're yes. enjoying it and hamming it up with <laughs> the master Joe Batan. Uh, before I continue, a few more shout-outs and mentions. Uh, definitely our dearest, dearest friend, and you know her, Marcelina Ramirez, La Filipina, is tuned <laughs> in. Right. She's the first one. The minute that I put up the flyer, she said, yes, I am there. <laughs> so she's definitely, definitely right. tuned in. And I love you very much, Marcy. Um, Mickey Melendez, he says, love oh. this. Great lyrics. Regards to Joe. <laughs> we'll see him the 22nd. And he oh. was the moderator at the DC gig. So that's right. He that's was. right. Yeah, so good memories. Thank you, Mickey, for uh, tuning in, and of course, uh, for letting us know that you're tuned in. Marcelina says, "I'm glued to the show." Before Pac-Man, Joe Coy, Joe Batan made us very proud to be Filipino. That's right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> now that we're 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 on the subject, <laughs> name things that you do. Or follow 
that are of Filipino tradition in this day and age? Well, did I did I rack your brain with this? Yeah. Thing? Okay. Okay. It just <laughs> came to see. me. It just came to me. Well, you know, they love music. Of course. Filipinos always love music. Uh, I love lumpia. Mm -hmm. You know. <laughs> uh, garlic chicken. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so got, music and food yeah. are definitely the trademarks. And of course, I got all my friends out in California at Philam. I got my friends here in the East Coast on uh, FA, uh, Filipino American Historical National Society. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, there's Unipro. Uh, there's quite a few. Bye. And of course, there's some work to be done there too. Because there's a lot of Filipino organizations in the country that don't connect with each other. And that's something that I'm trying to bring together. Just like ABN and the other radio station. They're always at odds with each other, you know, but they need to come together. And that's another project that I'm working on. And it's not just Filipinos. It's to bring the whole Asian community on stage. We've got so many of, of, of uh, Asian heritage that have not been able to bring things forward. Bruno Mars, mm -hmm. or we got Diamond. Uh, there's so many people that have changed their names. And it's funny, that, it's funny that you mentioned Bruno Mars. Of course, I, I love him as an artist. Mm -hmm. He's incredible. He just gave up the opportunity to earn a Grammy this time around. Really? Yes. Wow. His conviction is to entertain, to record, to enhance the culture and the music. And it doesn't have to be uh, defined by that particular award. Wow. So my kudos to him. Yeah, to him. God bless him. All right. Pero sin embargo, si le dan un Grammy a Joe Botan, no se lo lleva para la casa. Well deserved, I might say. Yeah. He earned it. He earned it. Yeah, 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 yeah. earned it. What's, mm -hmm. what's the biggest accolade? You said the, the Smithsonian. That's mm -hmm. uh, extremely important mm -hmm. because, you know, that crosses all barriers. But up to that point, what other award in comparison has honored you or you have been bestowed? Well, I think in 68 when I got the gold record for the riot, mm -hmm. uh, Fania had told me, he said, Joe, he says, you're outselling everybody in the state, in the tri-state, four to one. Right? Because I didn't see the money, but... He said, and they gave me a gold record. So that that was one of the highlights. I was happy, happy to have that, but I would have took the money first. <laughs> and at uh, the time, you were the only one to get prized for a riot. Right, yeah, yeah, for a riot. That's right, for a riot. You know, oh, I, it's funny because those kids that played with me, they were 13 and 14 years of age. Wow, wow. You know, people don't know the Cinderella story. Those kids worked with me for six months. We thought it would take us 10 years, and we were making records. When we got in the studio at Beltone, uh, Pacheco was the, the engineer, and he says, okay, you guys ready? I said, yeah. He says, okay, where's your music? We don't got no music. We look at each other. He said, what? <laughs> he says, all right, let's do the rhythm now. They said, they can't do that. He said, what do you mean? They have to see me. What do you got to see you? Because I'm the director. They got to watch my signals. He said, well, let's see what you do. We recorded the whole album in six hours. We didn't know. We were scared that they were going to throw us out. So we wanted to finish everything right there. Mm -hmm. We didn't know that you'd come back the next day and finish the next part. <laughs> so I played the piano and sang right there at, at the stage. And the whole band played live. Oh, and, and he called Jerry says, I don't know. These kids just finished the whole album. <laughs> <laughs> he said, well, what do you think? He says, I don't know. I didn't hear nothing like this before. <laughs> 
and they were used to a, a, a certain right. a different habit of, of recording another exactly. method another method I know you've told the story many times but how did you arrive to the doors of Fania Records at the time well this is the story goes uh, everybody was starting to make records around the neighborhood Johnny Cologne I mean there was Ricardo Ray or Pete Rodriguez and then they came to pass well I went to school with some of these guys how can I get in so I didn't know who to contact or what to do. I'm a novice, like a lot of kids. So I started looking on the back of album covers, and I started seeing names. I said, let me call up. So I called up, and lo and behold, the guy answered. It was George Goldner, because he was responsible for Tico, uh, Frankie Lyman, a lot of people. He said, yeah, I, said, I have a band. I want you to come. He said, okay, he came down. So we were in the auditorium. We were nervous, and here's this guy twiddling his fingers, and he's listening to the band, and he's swinging. Uh, he says, I like it. I want to record you. He said, but let me tell you something. Get another singer. Who was the singer? Me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, you know, oh, wow. you, you couldn't what? talk to me like that back then. <laughs> I said, what? He said, yeah, you sound too sweet. I want somebody that screams and yells like, you know, Jane Brown. I said, well, I'm sorry, man. This is what you get. He said, well, I know what I'm doing. I've done all of these things in history. And, uh, you know, have it your way, son. And he left. Wow. So he saw me years later on. He says, I made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, George Goldman. How you like me now, baby? <laughs> he said, if I would have He's already gone. He's gone. Yeah. We've gone he said, if I would have had you, I would have took you all over the world. Wow. And that's I, true. We, that we never true. know. He, he was a very innovative guy. But that... He missed the boat and he, he admitted it. So after that, I was lost. I went around and nobody would touch me. And then I went to Roulette Records. And of course, the infamous Morris Levy was in charge. <laughs> and of course, he had a big cigar in his mouth and he was talking up. Were, were you still big and bad at the time? Or did oh, you yeah, I was still bad, but I was scrouching in my chair. Ah, you know, what I mean? everybody, you know <laughs> the, the todo guapo meets their match. You know yeah, that, right? Yeah, no, no, definitely. I wasn't <laughs> stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So he's looking at me and he says, I'm there with Jose Cobello, everybody's in the office, uh, uh, Ray Avila, I mean, you name it, George Hall, everybody. He says, what do you want, kid? I said, well, I want to make records. He says, so what's the problem? I said, they said they were not going to play my records unless I signed with them. He said, who the hell said that? I said, well, this guy said it. He said, get him on the phone. And he got the guy on the phone. He woke him up in his bed. He said, what's up, man? He said, hey. I pay you, brother. What do you mean you ain't gonna play this kid's records? What? No, take it easy, Mo. You know, I didn't say that. He says, you heard what I said. And he hung up the phone. He said, okay, kid, what else you want? I said, well, we want to get paid. He said, I don't pay nobody. Oh, <laughs> so one, out of, one out of two ain't bad. You crossed, you crossed the line. He said, give me a budget. I didn't know what budget meant back then. You know, I didn't know that I'd give you how much it's going to cost, you know, pocket the rest. Mm -hmm. I said, no, I can't, I have to have cash. That's that's all we knew in the streets, right? <sighs> he says, well, look. So then he walks in George Goldner. He says, hey, Mo, who's that kid there? I have him under contract. I said, no, he doesn't. He tried to crook me. And I signed the wrong name anyway. He said, you're a wise guy, <laughs> you know? So then somebody else walked in. They said, wait a minute, I got him under contract. I said, he tried to crook me too. You know, he said, we're going to teach you a lesson. You know, we ain't nobody going to record you. Get out of here. So I walked in the street down Broadway, kicking myself. And I said, oh, boy, what am I going to do? 
And then I get a call from the famous Dick Ricardo Sugar. Oh, yeah. And he says, I heard what happened, but you're in luck. So I, so I got a young guy that's starting a record label named Jerry Masucci. And uh, I'm going to tell him to go and see you play. I said, okay. Jerry came down. He was biting his nails. He says, I like the band. So I said, here we go with another story. <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, what do you want? So I want to record. He said, okay, next week. I said, wait a minute, this guy's too fast. I said, I want to get paid. He said, okay. And the next thing I know, I couldn't wait to tell the guys, man, we were so excited, man. I had everybody rehearsing, running up, you have to dress sharp. I mean, we didn't know what we were doing. We were going down to the studio, and we sat there like we never saw a microphone before. Wow. You know? And the piano was there, and I said, wow. I, said, well, I guess I was praying. I said, is this it? I mean, after coming out of the reformatory, working, slaving, trying to do a job, being told what to do, uh, all of those things, and then here's a chance to get away from all of that. Could this be? And then we made the record. And then we waited that day before it was going to play on the radio. We gave everybody in the neighborhood dimes to call on the phone to request our song, right? So the whole neighborhood was calling, play! Gypsy Woman by Joe Batan, play! So Dick Ricardo said, and look, Joe Batan, tell your friends to stop calling the record. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, the record is a hit. You don't have to call anymore. And the rest, oh, was, the rest was history. Oh. <laughs> Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're hearing it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. And uh, it's incredible. It's incredible. And how many years after that, from that experience to now? That was in what year? Oh, that was in 60, 66, 67. Yeah, um, 66. Talk about Route 66, huh? Yeah, my long yeah. time ago. My, yeah. We were wearing bell bottoms, I think. Yeah, knits. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, Manny. <laughs> Hello, I'm still here. Yeah, I know you are. <laughs> Listen, Wait, yeah. uh, I, I wanted to know, in those days when you played at clubs or wherever you played, there was no contract signed, right? It was word of mouth. And what, what, uh, what happens when, uh, when a promoter doesn't want to pay? Well, I was a little different than the other band leaders, right? I said, if you cook me, I'm coming after you. And they knew that. Even Jerry knew that, you know, so that's the only way I knew how to deal. I didn't know the legalities of a lot of things. I had to start reading uh, this this business of music by uh, whatever the guy that wrote that famous guy. Uh, and that's how I started to learn the business. Just like trial and error, I started to learn work in the studio. I started to learn the music in theory. And of course, all of that came after I became known as Joe Batan. And of course, that's another thing, you know. Uh, on my business card, it said, call Joe, Batan, or Carmen. So Federico Pagani, if anybody knows the famous absolutely, promoter. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I went up to him and I said, look, I got a band. He said, what do you want, man? I said, I want to play. He said, you dress sharp? I said, yeah, we dress sharp, man. He said, okay, come to the Tropicoro. $10, man. I said, okay. We got there excited. That was Carlos, Carlos Ortiz. Yeah, yeah. Carlos Tropicoro. And we got there, we played, we were sharp, dressed with bow ties. And we sat there and he put us on at six o'clock when nobody was there. We must have played the same song 10 times. <laughs> After a while, people started to dance and he said, okay, you got the job. And that was it. It was for Federico Pagani 
that spread me around to all those clubs before I even had a record that got Joe Batana known. That's incredible. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Vaya. Let's hear some of the music of the era. A little bit of mambo, a little bit of mambo. <laughs> Vaya. Like 
Fairleigh Dickinson University was ranked by U.S. News and World Report as the number 14 best value school among regional universities in the North in the latest edition of the annual collegiate rankings. The university also rose almost 30 spots to number 28 in top performers on social mobility. FDU provides access to an affordable and transformational education. See what it can do for you. Visit fdu.edu for more information.
Ladies and gentlemen, we're coming down to the last few minutes of the third hour of Que Viva La Musica. We're here with Joe Batan. Uh, we just heard a beautiful song, an original composition, and uh, something unreleased, Mom and Dad. Uh, we were talking off the air, but now we're going to put it back on the air because that way everybody knows a little bit about what we're talking. They, 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 they're not entitled to hear everything because <laughs> with the mess that Manny yeah. mentioned and you know, <laughs> and, and the laughter and the carrying on, we can't do that. We can, but you know, there's certain things that we can't. But uh, this is something that's unreleased, and we had the opportunity to play it first and foremost yes, here. Yes. And it's dedicated to mom and dad. And you made the difference that normally songs are dedicated either to one or to the other, but you combined both elements right. of mother and father. It was a way of me saying thank you, too, you know? Uh, a lot of times, we, we uh, a lot of kids are just raised by one parent, you know? But those that have had the, the grace to have two parents, you know, then it's time to mention both. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, while I'm mentioning a couple of other things, uh, we know that, and this has nothing to do with salsa, but it does have to do with music and art. We had, uh, in recent days, the passing of uh, country great Loretta Lynn. Uh, we also had uh, the passing, and we just found out today, of uh, Artie Webb. Unfortunately, we lost him uh, after a long battle, and... Uh, our deepest condolences to his family and all the colleagues. Uh, you know, the master flutist played with uh, the likings of Larry Harlow, uh, Norman Connors, Ray Barreto, Stanley Clark, Pharaoh Sanders, and the list is uh, endless. And um, in recent days, they were praying for his health, and unfortunately, we lost him. So uh, towards the end of the show, I will play his music and uh, will honor his memory. We also lost Angela Lansbury, who... Uh, yeah. You know, was incredible in, in her artistry. And, uh, you know, we have to definitely uh, take time to honor our greats. And uh, it, it's saddened that they leave us, but please take care of them while they're alive. That's why when we have people like yourself, Joe, who are here in the studio and who are still around to play, we honor you, we respect you, and, and we value you completely. And so... I don't want to end the hour on a sad note. I want to end it on the happy note. Uh, you know, Manny was talking about his days as a percussionist. <laughs> his, 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 his far and few days, but then, you know, electricity came in the way. We're not talking about, well, he, he was electric because he had a wife and kid, but, you know, definitely that came. Please tell the audience a little bit about this experience before we end the hour. Okay. We, uh, I was hanging around uh, Batan a little bit and uh, he, he was starting a band and I told him that I played conga a little bit so I told him uh, let's try it out so we went to the re rehearsals and I played a little bit but uh, then something came up uh, I, I was uh, accepted for an apprenticeship program uh, as an electrician in construction which uh, which was a very uh, uh, important type of job to for future security and I told Batan about it, and uh, I told him that I couldn't make the rehearsals, and uh, I had to go to school at night and work during the day, so I was sorry that uh, I couldn't be part of your band. Did I threaten but, you? <laughs> but, but he, no, he didn't, he didn't threaten me. Is that why we, you left your house for two weeks? <laughs> <laughs> like somebody I know. <laughs> So then, so then I, uh, you know, I told him that uh, I'm sorry, but uh, I have a wife and kid, and I have to make a, a decision. 
and I made that decision. And uh, now, now I'm not as famous as he is, but, but I'm okay. <laughs> and we're still good friends. Absolutely. And, and after what? 50 years of friendship? 50 years of friendship, and I'm just starting to get tired of him. Yeah, he's always the wise guy in the third grade. But that's that's my main man. That's it. That's it. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, we're coming to the end of the third hour of Que La Musica. Please stay tuned as we continue the next hour with the music and artistry of El Maestro, Joe Batan. Stay tuned. Break that dial so that way you don't leave us. From the Metropolitan Campus of Fairleigh Dickinson University, this is WFDU-FM and HD1 Teaneck, the New York metro area's home of retro radio oldies and eclectic weekends, streaming worldwide at WFDU.FM. Aha. Regresamos en la cuarta hora, the fourth hour of Que la Música with Joe Batan and the gang over here. Uh, my dear brother, Willie Bass Rodriguez, el hijo de Roberto Rodriguez, oh, okay. and esposo de Marisol Cerdeira, is uh, asking me a good question. He's enjoying the show. He's giving the audience a clear, accurate history of the music background here in New York City. Uh, can you mention, Joe, some of the musicians on the recording, especially the bass players, the percussionists, not the ones that left for the uh, electric company. <laughs> but the ones that actually stayed, you know, like some of the bass players, percussionists, trombones, you know, anybody that comes to mind sure. that recorded with you. Well, there's a whole long list. You have to understand that Joe Batan was never a musician. I was always a band leader. I came from the top down, mm-hmm. right? So I never played for anybody, right? Like other musicians. Uh, of course, there was Chiqui Fuentes who played trombone. Mm-hmm. He was my right hand. He was very responsible for a lot of the songs that we did in the beginning. Uh, there was Ruben Hernandez, who was a sidekick, who's in the Air Force, and he left. Of course, there's Eddie Nather. He lives in Pennsylvania, he's still around. He played timbales. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, Lorenzo Galang, Chino. Uh, he's no longer with us, but he played conga. We also had a great conga players, Latin Joe, who was one of the best back then. Um, we had also on bass, Louis Deves. All right, uh, Louis no longer with us. Uh, he played bass for us a long time. He was responsible for that rhythm. And uh, he, he played with Puente when he was 13 years old when they needed somebody to sit in. So it was amazing to see him. One of our kids, at 13 years old, he's up there playing with uh, Tito Puente, man. It was unbelievable. And, you know, he didn't know anything about music, but he could play. That's, you know? all that counts. That's <laughs> it. That's you know? it. And, uh, and that was it. Of course, we had uh, Tito Gonzalez, who sat in for me once I found out that I wanted to go up in front of the crowd I had a, a piano player so Tito Gonzalez played piano with me for a long time uh, throughout the years we also had Toti Negron who played with Bobby Rodriguez uh, most of Bobby's band was my band I gave Bobby Rodriguez his first flute he got married because of us you know <laughs> we, we uh, and I know you always render tribute to him. You always play Sunday Kind of Love as oh, part yeah. of your repertoire. Yeah, yeah, Bobby. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Eddie Hernandez. Yes. You know, he had his own group. He was with me. Uh, even, um, what's his name? Uh, Hernandez, uh, the one that's famous in the movies. He played with uh, Savannah Band. 
Oh, uh, the buzzard, uh, Dr. Right. Buzzard. Right. Uh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Piano I don't know. Me fuerza, me fuerza, me it'll come, it'll come, it'll come. They're going to text me to tell me. <laughs> who's yeah. in your band currently nowadays, and who's the person longest? I asked that off the air. The longest musician that's been okay, with you. Okay, that's Mel Rodriguez. He's still with me. You'll right. see him awesome. tomorrow at St. Cecilia's. We're going at 1 o'clock uh, in Manhattan. Of course, that's 127 East 106th Street. The Barrio Band will be there. We'll have Victor uh, Santos, Charlie Garcia, Chumbo. Wilson will be there, Coniel. Uh, we, we have a host of it, uh, Julio Botti, you know, the Darren Lipper, uh, Elvin Cartagena, uh, Ivan Rodriguez, Joe Rivera, who sang with the teenagers and, wow. and a lot of groups back in the day. He's there with us. And of course, my wife will be there, Yvonne. Uh, if I left out anybody, excuse me. I'm excited. <laughs> but uh, there's a host of guys that played me throughout the years. Dennis Harris, uh, you name it. Uh, oh, boy. I, Dennis, you know, you understand what happened to me in my twilight is that I found out the secret and how to play more. Uh -huh. I had all my music written up, and now I travel with my music. So I have bands in every country in the world. Awesome. So the Bamboos play with me in Australia. The Tokyo All-Stars play with me in Japan. Wow. Uh, the Fulanos play with me in Spain. The Fulano, yeah. you recorded with them. Yeah, mm -hmm. the Raza All-Stars play with me in California. I mean, uh, Fantasma play with me in Texas. <laughs> you know, so it's easy now for me to just come. Oh, we want you to play, Joe, okay? You don't have to worry about a band or nothing. Right. I'm there, bring my music, and the music has caught up. Years ago, when we used to go to Cuddy, said, these guys can't play our stuff. They don't know. Mm. They know Clave from this and These guys can play now. Nice. You know, they, nice. They've caught up. Even the dancing, right? <laughs> in California, I was the best dancer, and I got two left feet back in the days. <laughs> now I see them flying through the air wow. and all these kind of things, man. So right. it's like, you know, they've taken over. Around the world, I've seen them dance. Mm -hmm. And I've seen the different cultures, and I said, wow, who would have thought, you know? And it's a, it's a sorry thing that they had curtailed that music for a long time, right? It doesn't belong to one individual. It belongs to the world, you know? Uh, before Salsa, there was only Mambo and Cha-Cha, and before that, there was Cuban music. So that history has to be told, and it has to be evolved so that people appreciate it, you know, because now it's worldwide. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about the experience worldwide in your travels with the music. Uh, where they ask for, is your repertoire different, modified in certain areas more than others? Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, the first story got that I wasn't traveling for a while. I, I was working at Spotford for 25 years, and Joe Batan's name was not mentioned at all. And then I saw the comedian Joanne Rivers on TV, and she said, you know when I get worried? when my book is empty. And I said, what is she talking about? When she has no work. So, you know, I was with Chucky, who was my timbalet in Western Soul. And I said, Chucky, we gotta get some work, man. He said, yeah, well, what are we gonna do? Well, we gotta do something. So, Tito Ramos calls me up and he says, you got a computer? I said, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> he said, you don't have a computer? I said, no, and this is like 20 some years ago. He says, you got a camera on there? Said, what's that? He said, I didn't know anything. Well, once I got onto that computer and learned, it took me years, I can't get off it. I wake up at <laughs> one o'clock in the morning and I'm on the computer. So then I started to reinvent myself. I started to talk to different countries. And then I found out that my music was being played all over the world. 
I was the last one to know. So somebody was making money, I didn't know. So then I started to investigate, and then all of a sudden I started getting paid from here, paid from there, and I started putting the ends to meet. And uh, I, I'm sure a lot of musicians never did this because they didn't have the the ability. The ability. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So anyway, that started it, and then the guy calls me Australian. He's interviewing me, and uh, Red Bull, and he says, "Yeah, uh, yeah, okay, Joe, thanks." I said, "Look, instead of interviewing, why don't you bring me to Australia?" So he said, "Okay," <laughs> just like that. I said. He didn't say okay, so I flew to Australia. Wow! And the next thing I knew, they got a band for me, and I was saying, "Oh, how are they gonna sound?" It was the young kids that called the Bamboos, and I thought I was back in the '60s. They had played my stuff just like I played it when I was a kid. Really? And then I got this idea. Wow! I went to Japan, and the Tokyo All Stars kicked butt. Those boys. I mean, I go there three, four times now. And then when I got the band in California, the Ras All Stars. Everybody started, because then the Fulanos called me, uh, Phantasma called me, and of course it's been a way of life, and then I met new friends, wow. new people, and that's how Joe Batan's journey has gone. So now it's come back to the barrio, because there's something to be told and to be done. Absolutely. With the music right. also. Right. So if anybody's out there, come down tomorrow and listen to what I'm saying at St. Cecilia's. Absolutely. We're plugging in this wonderful event. This is a 150th anniversary of St. Cecilia's Church. The Mass will start at 11 a.m. Right. Don't miss that. <laughs> and that's that's the importance of, right. of this event. Then everybody will be treated to uh, the likings of Joe Batan and, and his orchestra with many invited special guests. Oh, yeah. That are just right. gonna Johnny Cruz is going to be there. Louis, Jose Van Guan, Johnny Cruz. I mean, you know, Javier Byrne is coming. Uh, holding Aurora Flores, a lot of people are coming down. Right. There's no telling who's going to come. Exactly, exactly. So don't be square, be there. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what you used to say back in the day, right? <laughs> it, Manny, like is, Manny, Manny is so tickled. I said that, he's like, oh my gosh. I you remember know. being there. He used to say, cool. Get <laughs> chévere. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much right. for stopping thank by you. and being with me here. I mean, King Louis, uh, I, I want King Louis to stop salivating over there because he is besides himself, you know. And, yeah, uh, you know, It's, uh, it's an honor to be here with him, man. Uh, Joe Batan is one of my idols, man, if not the, the idol. He's the man. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, uh, Thanks for having me here. Always. I'm glad you said I have a home. You do have a home here. You could come anytime. Just I, I just don't overstay your welcome. No, no, mentira. <laughs> mentira. Tú no vas a venir aquí toda la semana porque you know, hay que darle oportunidad a otro, pero you know, cuando tú quieras. Cuando tú quieras. Don't wait 10 years porque I don't know if the wheelchair access is ready here, but, you know, and you won't need it. You won't need it. We'll well, I'm on some different medication. I think I got five more years. I got, I got five more years at least. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, we love you. Manny, thank you. Now you have another home, and you'll keep him company. I want to thank you very much for having me here. It's been an experience. An experience. First time. No, pero me asusta porque you didn't say it's a good experience, a bad experience. It's just an experience. An experience to me is good. Vaya, vaya. Thank you. No, thank you, guys. Vamos con la música. Vamos a terminar con la música nueva or unheard of by Joe. Joe, from the CD, this one. Let me play one, one okay. last tune. What you, you going to play? Whatever you want me to play. Whatever you want play me to play. Play the slow one. The, sl the slow it's, one. It's uh, which Frank one? Sinatra song. Oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, right. what, what number is that? What number I is think it? it's three. It's three? But I don't know. It might be. Yeah, I think so. 
Okay, we'll try it. But you know, this is live radio, so well, whatever. You can switch it if it ain't. <laughs> Absolutely, and then uh, no, hopefully nobody will take it against me. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Batan. Thank you, my brother. Stop! 
corazón. Que ya no te quiero, 
te quiero, ya no te quiero, ya no te quiero. Sabrás que ya no te quiero, que ya no te quiero, ya no te quiero, ya no te quiero. Salsa gorda, la que el salsero procura 
Cuando vayan a hacer pepe, no lleven chipe ni brete.
quiero hueso en la sopa.
caminar si no toma chocolate. No come. Así pan. dicen los vecinos cuando me ven caminar. Y no come. Sobre pan. todo me critican los que no les gusta trabajar. Y no come. Pan. Esa es mi dieta única y particular, papá. Y no come.
punto suspensivo, ¿ok?
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're coming to the end of the fourth hour of Que Vea La Musica. And, uh, you know, when I expect the whole entourage to be here uh, at a certain time and then they come in pieces, <laughs> they're like Reese's. <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, our dearest friend, Ken Curtis. Ken, welcome. Hello, everybody. He wanted to be here before, uh, before Joe Batan was here, and then he got here... 10 minutes after. <laughs> I saw him in the parking lot. Oh, okay. Hey, hey. Better late than never. How are you, first of all? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good to see, good to see and hear you. Hear you. you. As everyone knows, are you still working with uh, our, our, our dearest Joe as, as much as I possibly can. He, he, he's doing a lot of stuff in California these days. Okay. So, I, you know, like, for instance, this thing tomorrow at St. Cecilia's, mm. I've been helping with the, promoting it and, and getting it out there, getting the word out. Absolutely. So I'm working with him with that. Is, what is the weather uh, forecast for tomorrow? Uh, much like today. Oh, it's, it's going to be sunny. It's going to be in the high 60s. There's no reason not to be there. Okay. Okay. Once again, remind everybody that listened to uh, Joe. And uh, since Joe has left, I've played music nonstop because I want to just make up uh, the time with music. Uh, of what's taking place tomorrow? In well, Nevada. tomorrow is the 150th anniversary of St. Cecilia. Uh, servicing the Spanish Harlem community. And uh, as a lot of people know, since Joe has probably told, uh, told the story a million times, that's where the, the Joe Batan that we know was born. It began from Batan Nitalano to Joe Batan happened in the basement of St. Cecilia's on the piano that they have. As a matter of fact, the piano is still down there. Absolutely. And, and that's where he learned how to play the piano. That's where he learned the chords. That's where he learned his chops. So that is the birthplace of Joe Batan, and it has also been the spiritual center of Spanish Harlem for 150 years. Now, your connection with Joe Batan has been at least over a decade, I think, to my perspective. Is it or? It has, yeah, roughly. Roughly, roughly. How did you, how did you two connect? It was really strange. First off, I always, I've always admired Joe Batan. Love, love his music, going all the way back to Greenwich Village days at the Village Gate. Okay. Uh, so I, I started going more to his concerts. He started seeing me. We started saying hello. One day he came over to me, and, and that Joe Batan style took the, his index finger. Uh -huh. He tapped me in the chest, and he said, <laughs> you're going to be my agent. Wow. And that's <laughs> from that point forward I was working with. And had you ever prior to that worked with any artists or... Or well, I've been in and around the music business going all the way back to the Bitter End days in Greenwich Village. Gotcha. I worked at the Bitter End. My uncle was Paul Colby. He owned the Bitter End. Oh, I didn't know that. So oh, uh, I was in and around the performers of the day, which were mostly folk music singers, uh, comedians, David Steinberg, things of that, per that, that ilk. And I helped set up lights, and I did, you know, uh, uh, we just kind of worked around the Bitter End a little bit. So my introduction to the world of music happens then. And then from that point on, I, I started managing bands. They were kind of like pseudo rock and roll bands, grunge bands, uh, 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 Rolling Stone wannabes. Gotcha. And I used to book them all the way as far down as Washington, D.C. Now you've seen uh, the evolution of music uh, from that end, and now you've worked with Joe and you've seen a lot of the changes. What are the constraints and difficulties nowadays with the music? Well, I, well, I think, well, first off, for the, the 
Latin music community. Mm -hmm. Very difficult to get work, especially in this city these days. Uh, and you probably know it better than me because you speak to more of the musicians than I do. They don't work like they used to. They don't get paid like they used to. And a lot of them are basically throwing up their hands and said, I'm not, I'm not doing it. Okay, I'm not going to work for $80 a night, which is in some cases what they want to pay these musicians. They just throw their hands up and not want to do it. My perspective of music is that going back to the mid-60s up to the mid-70s was the most proli prolific time in music. You had old doo-wop rock and roll. You had new rock and roll. You had folk music. You had boogaloo. You had Latin music. All of it happening all at the same time. You could go to one club and hear Latin music, go to another club and hear folk music. That doesn't exist today. And mainly because there are not as many venues as there were back in those days. Well, especially in the Latin music world. I mean, there were, there, how many, I mean, in the Bronx, there was probably seven or eight major venues for Latin music in the Bronx alone, and which no longer exist. And the after hours. We're, not, the even, we're not even taking that into account. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not shading or, or, or mentioning, you know, inappropriate things. It's, it's simply what it is in nowadays. Well, a lot of music was played in the after hours. I, I was associated with an after hours club that was on 100, um, 126th Street. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a, in a brownstone downstairs. Oh, wow. And... I knew the people that owned it, and I used to go there late, late at night. What ended up happening is, is all the musicians that came out of the, all the clubs around Harlem mm -hmm. used to go there to, to drink and play. Wow. So at, at 6 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, they'd be stumbling out of this place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Looking like zombies, right? Yeah, well, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> But they had a great time. And you were one of them. I That's was one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad you survived those times. And yeah. You're here with us today. And thank you for stopping by to help us to continue promoting this music. Don't that we forget, promote. tomorrow, St. Cecilia's, 106th Street. Uh, I think there's going to be a mass that starts at 11 o'clock. And then there's going to be live music. Joe Batan's uh, band, the Barrier Boys, and Joe Batan is going to be there. I understand there's going to be some mariachi people that are going to be there. Correct. During the uh, I'm picking up Johnny Cologne, who's also going to be there. The Mongols, Jose and Luis Mongol, and a few other people all are going to stop by and say hello. Awesome, awesome. Well, I hope to be there, but you know, you know how engagements are. Uh, they start at one time, they finish at another, and they don't always mix. But I'll try my best. Well, I'm sure that everybody will be happy to see you there. Absolutely, absolutely. Ken, thank you for stopping All by. Right, thank you very much. You're welcome. Anytime.
Join Fairleigh Dickinson University at their fall open houses coming up on Saturday, October 22nd at the FDU Florham Campus in Madison, New Jersey, and on Sunday, October 23rd at the FDU Metropolitan Campus in Teaneck. Tour campus, meet faculty, learn about FDU's over 100 majors, and find out how FDU is making a top-ranked college education more affordable. Register today to attend at fdu.edu slash openhouse.
From the Metropolitan Campus of Fairleigh Dickinson University, this is WFDU-FM and HD1 Teaneck, the New York metro area's home of retro radio oldies and eclectic weekends, streaming worldwide at WFDU.FM.
Cancelada, 
hermano mayor No se lo digas a tu madre Para no causarle dolor María Teresa y Danilo Son ellos dos personajes Que siempre viste de traje Y ella se viste de hilo María Teresa y Danilo Son ellos dos personajes Él siempre viste de traje Y ella se viste de hilo Y así pasaban los días La niña triste lloraba Por no poderse casar Con ese hombre que llamaba Ese señor no es tu papá
show you're listening to right now? If you represent a specific event, product, or service that you'd like to let our listeners know about, why not become an underwriter for this program or for entire blocks of programming? For more information, visit WFDU.FM and click on the Money Matters tab. Scroll down to the word underwriting and just fill out the form. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the show.
conmigo no se juega Soy humilde con sangre de pantera
Tiene la red. 
you know that it is six minutes to six o'clock and five minutes actually 
And I want to thank all of you for tuning in. Of course, I want to thank Joe Batan, Manny, and Ken Curtis for stopping by. Thank you for putting us on a voyage of yesterday in our current times. Gilbert Irizarry just called me. Thank you so much, my brother, for your words, your your encouraging words. Uh, Carmen and Wilfredo Lugo as well. Thank you so much. My brother, Willie Bass, thank you. Thank you for your suggestions, your questions, your ideas. Ralph, Ralph Paris, greetings to you, my brother. And to so many others who have a positive, and even those who don't agree. I can't say I don't try my best for trying. <laughs> But I put my heart and soul in what I do, and I try my best. And that's all that counts. And I want to wish you all a great afternoon, a great evening, and a great weekend. Take care, and long live the memory and artistry of El Maestro Artie Webb.
From the Metropolitan Campus of Fairleigh Dickinson University, this is WFDU-FM and HD1 Teaneck, the New York metro area's home of retro radio oldies and eclectic weekends, streaming worldwide at WFDU.FM. That's right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's the Evan Toast Show right here on WFDU 89.1 FM. Here we go. We got a lot of great music for you today. I have a little laryngitis. That's okay. We'll get through. Robert Waite from a project called Daylight Robbery. He's my guest today. He's joining me from South London. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. 